I'm Merle, head pearl, owner of the studio and resident cat lady. I'm Joe, shop and event manager, and I know people. I'm Trees, I'm the digital marketing manager, and I'm an astrology enthusiast. And this is Sitting, Sitting in, in the, the Sill. <laughs> The world was just a little bit different when I recorded with this month's guest, my dear friend of 10 years, Marissa, back in January. She had just moved Dusty Rose Vintage, her warehouse and sourcing company of 12 years, to a private studio and had come to the decision to focus more fully on Gold Dust Projects, her sustainable event company, and her co-op pop-up in Brooklyn, Dusty Friends. The reality we find ourselves in now is dramatically different in so many ways but also makes certain things crystal clear. We get through extraordinary times like this by taking care of one another, helping those in need, and supporting the little guys to literally keep them afloat until life resumes. While taking care of a tenacious two-year-old being in quarantine in Brooklyn, Marissa is still living that ethos by collaborating with other small businesses for raffles, fundraising, selling vintage wares on IG, and keeping a small sense of much-needed brevity with her hashtag nightboob. She's one of my role models, and I'm sure after today, she'll be one of yours, too. First of all, thank you for coming on the podcast. Such a pleasure to be here. This is such a fun experience. (laughs) I get an excuse to come to New York and see one of my dearest friends. It was crazy. I was thinking about this. We've been friends for basically a decade now. Oh, my God, you're right. Isn't that bananas to yes. think about sometimes? Because yes. it's like, I feel like I've known you for a really long time, but then you actually when you do quantify the math. It, yeah, like, oh. And it was, I think the first time that we met was, did I meet you on my first trip to New York? Because I think I met Mel and Nika and right. like the, the New York bloggers. But had you met them in person before? No, yeah. we had only kind of chatted online and one of my really good friends. Ashley was working at Juilliard in the wig department. So like she came with me to the event. So I had like a buffer. Yes. And I think we met a few of those girls. Um, Christina was here as well. And so we met a bunch of those guys the night before at a bar. And so it was really nice because then it was Chictopia, I think, was yes, the that, blogger that was event the or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So I just remember it was so nice to have kind of a buffer of getting to meet some of them the night before. Yeah. Because it was such kind of, it was a whole new world. Like when blogging started in 2008-ish was yeah. when like fashion blogging really kind of started because you had like wardrobe, yeah. Chictopia, um, and it was like, it was such an, an amazing, inspiring, like, inventive time. It was like the Wild West of oh, yeah. fashion blogging yeah. and until it became influencing sure. and blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, I was like, holy cow, I've known these amazing people for so long. And you, you guys have really kind of, like, also shaped how even I look at business and, like, the fashion world and stuff like that. And so for you, like, you grew up – obviously thrifting and stuff like that but then you also worked for it was urban outfitters mm-hmm. right yes. where you would were in their vintage sourcing department you've had dusty rose for 12 years right or has it been yeah, around it's so 10? hard to say dusty rose has had so many iterations dusty rose like became a, a name like a brand that was named in 2008 um Dang. that's when it like OG went on here. etsy yeah uh-huh. but like because i was like wholesaling vintage Mm. like that's what I was doing full time like Dusty Rose wasn't anything like what it was what it is today like Dusty Rose was you were like like a behind the scenes yeah basically being the the supplier to probably a lot of people's favorite like New York and Brooklyn yeah like really really high end vintage boutiques Mm -hmm. and like I mean if you think about so that started in 2000 I started wholesaling to these companies Mm -hmm. in 2006 so if you think about like what the vintage world especially with a physical brick and mortar or whatever was in 2006 versus what it is today right there wasn't even really I mean it existed but like they weren't like afraid yet of Etsy or eBay or whatever. Like, so it was really, I mean, it was just a different world. So like we were working with like designers and celebrities, like Like costume houses and things like that. It didn't feel nearly so every day. Like Like, accessible. Yeah. It was like something that the kind of elite were able to 
procure and then resell or like a lot of designers I have a lot of friends that sell um, like older vintage pieces like from the 30s through the 50s and they'll have design houses contact them Mm -hmm. because it's like that's what they yeah they need the reference I mean that's what I that's how my start at least like in the on the wholesale side like my vintage profession started when I was 11 yeah (laughs) that's the first time I made money selling vintage because you know hustle exactly but yeah I mean doing it in this like doing it on a large scale wholesale Mm -hmm. way like that's what it was it just it wasn't an everyday thing but I will say that in Europe they were sort of doing it more every day than in America like there were a lot of like very large scale like college town vintage stores that felt a little bit like what my warehouse I mean things were on hangers but they had these really broad categories and all of my categories have sort of maintained this Japanese slash European categorization like all the wholesale old school wholesale warehouses have this like simple print tea like 50-50 tea like and they were it was the way that college town like big vintage stores in college towns yeah. that were not in America they found like our stupid little league t-shirts and stuff like charming uh-huh you know oh, 100%, and they yeah. loved it and it was really again it was like before I mean barely even the internet existed let alone a one in your pocket you exactly. know like so yeah. it was just a different it was just different yeah um, and I, I mean I'm so glad that I have seen the way All iterations yeah the yeah. way the industry has changed I mean and like your brand has grown and morphed and changed oh with it. yeah I mean my brand like the wholesale industry is kind of its own thing in the way right. that it's changing but having a brand that I brought into Brooklyn and had a physical location that has changed because of that you know having right. a physical location being in like a not volatile but like a very you know being a physical space in Brooklyn mm-hmm. has some challenges. For sure, um, yeah. You know. I remember your first location, like, that location was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It was huge. It was you were, awesome. like, on the corner. Yeah. And then kind of abruptly. Overnight. The they sold. were like, yeah, yeah. And it's going like, to be a hotel. Oh, yeah, yeah, just kidding. You yeah, 30 days, bye. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's, I mean, anybody who's moved even a small apartment knows the absolute terror and stress that comes when you have to figure out a short-term move. Oh. You had like a hundred. I lost 50 like fifty gallons. Yeah, yeah. I had about fifty thousand pounds of inventory. Yeah. I lost so much money. I mean, it was just like insane. Yeah. And then to continue to move to a, move that yeah. kind of operation. So you've been in four warehouse locations yeah. because this will this is kind of like I the mean this last is a stu- yeah this is it's like a more studio. of a studio yeah so yeah. technically open to the public would be three locations three locations in the last well no weirdly one because it was the one that there's technically into the hotel. four because there was one that like it wasn't Okay, yeah, it wasn't open to the public, uh, not really. But a, but still, there like was a, a nine month like intermediate. Like I was in a one thousand square foot storage unit in the Navy, or, I think, or like yeah, I remember whatever. that. Yeah, I don't know if you would have seen that one. No, but I remember um, hearing. But about I brought it. clients, yeah. like even overseas. You yeah, know? and it, the setup was really similar. Yeah, but yeah, just no. much more condensed. So yeah, cause... three that like anyone would know about, like, right? Real yeah. regular people. So you've been doing. The, the wholesale vintage slash open to the public thing for 12, yeah. 12 solid years. Yeah. In the last like two years, it kind of started at the end of 2018, right? And then morphed in 2019. You have Dusty Friends, mm-hmm. which is the pop-up on Manhattan Ave right now, yeah. which features like a, a kind of, not ever-changing, but like a, a great roster of a bunch of different vintage yeah, brands. it just rotates from, based on mm-hmm. people's needs, our needs, the landlord, you know, like right. all of it. The it's, brand's availability for yeah. items as yeah. well. It's um, super flexible, which is right. kind of what 2020, 2019, whatever, like that's how you make it people work. work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, you're out. Bring somebody else <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, We got shit to sell. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Exactly. And then obviously your newest baby, besides your actual baby, which yeah, you also my gave live human to. baby. Exactly. Yes. It was the cutest. We have Gold Dust Projects. Yeah. So that is your event company kind of geared around the sustainable world. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your kind of main focus with Gold Dust? Like what do you want? It's So we actually 
I mean, as much time as one has, like Mm -hmm. I sat down with a lot of different people to really think about how to make this into something that could grow and Mm -hmm. could be like always something that I was happy with. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause I think that's something that happens with business owners is like, you're like, I'm doing a thing that I'm not really sure I want to still be doing. Like, I don't love this. What do I do? I'm stuck. You want something that can grow and not remain stagnant. Yeah. Something that can adapt as your needs and interests and passions adapt Like I just have felt so many times, especially with like the like large scale inventory. Like Mm -hmm. I've just felt stuck so many times and I created. Literally because you have all this inventory. You can't really like up and move or do a ton of different things. Yeah. There was no like I didn't feel nimble. Mm. And I created before gold dust projects I created our damn selves yes that that was was also on my list at the beginning of the current administration (laughs) when people were feeling very freaked out Uh um I just kind of wanted something that directly addressed like what was going on and so it started as like just a fund I wanted it to be open but it was like a fundraising marketplace Uh um and these would happen at your warehouses they didn't they happened off-site we were working with um Brooklyn Bazaar, which yeah. R.I.P. They just had to leave their location because you know Brooklyn nothing uh-huh. stays the same. Exactly. Um, we'll probably continue to work together in yeah. some way. Some capacity. But what I was feeling with our damn selves, the reason that I didn't just keep going with sustainability under that umbrella, was that I felt like it had it as open as I wanted it to be. It felt a little bit niche, like it felt. Mm. A little angry, um, mm-hmm. a little not reactive. But, I mean, a little reactive. Yeah, um, and but reactive in turning your your anger and anxiety into something ultimately positive. Yeah, because it was supporting Very these awesome positive. artists. You had different artists every time and kind of themes with it right Mm -hmm. and then the main goal of it was that you would take portion of the proceeds Mm -hmm. and donate that to To, a certain group individuals in need things like that and so we wanted to keep it something where we could always be changing Mm -hmm. that um right so our damn selves is not defunct um we just got a lot going on just a couple things on your plate right now (laughs) with gold dust projects i wanted it to be like weirdly like a tiny bit more focused so mm, it is okay. like it's sustainability focused yep. um and i didn't want to make it so so narrow like that it we couldn't work in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. because like we'll be producing events for other people and brands like so we want right. to be able to have like a little bit of a broadness but like yeah really like this last one the focus was like sustainability and circularity in fast fashion mm-hmm. um and that's my background so there's always going right. to be a bias there right. you know that like I because I have worked in like massive massive scale textile recycling mm-hmm. like I think about fast fashion because I think about production Mm -hmm. and where those clothes end their life because I I lived in a landfill for like since 2000 well really since 2004 because I started going into these warehouses and these are like 50 foot bales of like yeah they're they're thousand pound compressed bales like so the last I ran the vintage department for a company that actually is no longer in existence. This industry is being like dramatically affected by fast fashion Mm -hmm. because the price of rags continues to go up. The price of labor continues to go up. The Mm -hmm. quality of the rags is like plummeting. Yeah, like it's rapidly. It's not like a little. And we were looking at that. I was brought in to sort of turn this ship around Mm. at this company in 2006. And we did like the vintage department because of the trends and the right. value of it and whatever, mm-hmm. we really did turn it around. But it ultimately, you're going to, I mean, anyone who knows anything about rag houses, there's not that many people, but like right. they are closing. Like they, I mean, all of my favorite suppliers are gone. Right. Um, people that I've been working with for, you know, going on two decades. Like, for sure, yeah. And it's just, it's directly because of the way fast fashion has the quality of clothes that are being produced like they they have no life past that initial very short use yeah yeah it's a I mean that is it like when now because I've seen the end of these clothes lives when I go into like H&M I can see the clothes pilling on the Mm rat you know I'm like this is already pilling yeah like it's not even been worn yet it's like barely one wear yeah like yeah right so it's 
that to me, like gold dust projects, when I am the one making the decisions about the shape of the event, it will always be fast fashion based. Like when we're producing events for other people, it'll be, you know, what they want it to be. Right. But for me, like that is, that's just my bias. Yeah. Like that's something that I care deeply yeah. about. It's more, it's like about the education of the full ramifications, so to speak, of yeah. fast fashion. Yeah. And just it's really, because I think people are aware of it, but depending on their level of interest or willingness to learn because it's it's very easy to do ostrich head in the sand right where it's like i'm one person what difference can i really make right if i don't really know about it i don't have to feel as bad and we were kind of chatting about this yesterday about like the encouragement over guilt factor but i think there's education is necessary for both aspects of that and i think if you do it in a way that ultimately is like okay Here's the really shitty side effects of fast fashion. You need to be aware of this, but these are all the really cool ways right. that you can buck that and still end up spending either the same or saving money because yeah. you're not buying as often. Yeah. And like the end result is like so much positivity surrounding your life. Yeah. That I think people. Because it is a mindset shift. Totally. Like, I mean, it is like. Uh, I think the question should be people should be asking, like, what how how can everyone do this like how can somebody like as somebody who's not making a ton of money like I think about these things and totally. it's important to me but some of it is mindset shift like this yeah. is these are huge conversations that are way more than any podcast or even gold dust can solve like right. they're huge huge conversations yeah. but some of it is mindset because no mm-hmm. matter what your socioeconomic mm-hmm. status is like we are all influenced by all of the media, everything totally. that yeah. we see around us. And if you think you are supposed to do X, Y, and Z in your consumption, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. Like, obviously, yeah. there are differences in these, like, stratas, but right. ultimately, we're all influenced by Absolutely. what we see and yeah. what's available to us, totally. you know? Yeah. So there's a I lot. I mean, and I think there's something to be said for at least starting the conversation. Like, even if it's a conversation that will be ever-evolving in people's lives, with their their friends, their circles, things like that. But I think it needs to start somewhere. Yeah. And so, like, with Gold Dust, like, just introducing people or, like, bringing them in, yeah. I think is such a an amazing resource that you well and that is a privilege that I do have for like whatever reason like is that I can start these conversations and that is that stuff matters because it does trickle down like it will trickle down so that's kind of that's why okay so I mean we we kind of talked about this a little bit but was the um the decision to kind of remove the warehouse as like a public offering and focus more on on gold dust and dusty friends and stuff like that was that a really tricky one um are you actually no like like it was like (laughs) i was like i've been ready yeah i i mean there's some stuff that like about it that i'm like you know not even fully ready to say publicly it's just like what it what it had sort of become Mm -hmm. for me like i think in in my community, those bins and everything about it was beloved. But like I, it was a weight for me, like in a lot of ways. Um, And I, I did, like I was excited about being able to offer accessible price points, both to my film and TV clients and to the public. But ultimately, like, and this is, I don't, I haven't used a media coach and I'm not like some stuff. It's like it gets scary when (laughs) Uh you're going to like drop some truths. But like ultimately, like I for a long time have been feeling like I don't want my business to be about price point. And Mm. I was feeling a little bit like that's what was happening. And in like this is a huge huge conversation but like in the film and tv industry there's a big problem with like what goes on with like people's budgets and the way Mm. employees are treated with returns like it's it's complicated but like so it was like my business is serving this industry right but even the way that I'm doing it with the people who have budgets Mm -hmm. like I'm not contributing obviously me they're gonna find another way to get like cheap inventory but like I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore I didn't and it it was 
taking my focus away from things that really did matter to me right. and like that that is this is what matters to me like yeah. I have a very very unique perspective because of like the path that yeah. I have taken and I don't want to like kind of sit in a warehouse like not sharing that experience and then a little bit like grumbling about like what it is right. that I'm doing like that yeah. just didn't seem to serve anyone yeah um so weirdly I I let it go <laughs> pretty easily yeah. I mean I'm not gonna lie like it it's a uh, to be a member of my community in that way right. was great but I will still continue to work with my community. We're still going to host, even in this small space, we'll still host like art shows. We'll still yeah. have even panel discussions. Absolutely. Like there yeah. will still be stuff happening here yeah. and at it's Dusty Friends. It's not like you're walking away no. from it entirely. No. But it, it felt like a release. Yeah. Huge release. And a huge, huge, huge shift. Like yep. it great like yeah, so everything that was a chunk of your life for a solid decade. long time yeah <laughs> so now everything is just gonna be so much more like event focused and it just means that like we can take on projects as they come as opposed to like being like oh I don't know how we're gonna like squeeze this in right so um yeah. it's exciting I'm really excited about I'm it I'm so excited too because <laughs> you've also kind of talked about wanting to take gold dust on the road yep. as well and like to go to different cities and really kind of like explore and dig in for those that sustainable community in these areas yeah. too because I mean even in New York from Brooklyn to you know the different boroughs and stuff like that you have such a, a shift in how people view sustainability mm -hmm. and how they access it and stuff like that and so that's even tenfold when you travel to the west coast totally. to the pacific northwest to the Pacific Northwest I don't know what that <laughs> was um to the Midwest as well yeah like and I think that that's I think so many people when they hear the word sustainable or like conscious consumerism eco-friendly like they think that there is one way to do it mm -hmm. and it's very easy to feel defeated very quickly as well that you're not doing enough right or not doing this or that and so I think education is just so crucial yeah and awareness of stuff too and I I'm so excited that's really for, I mean gold dust is really right. really really ultimately about raising awareness like obviously the when when it's an event that we do and the reason it's called projects is because it is very very open so mm -hmm. we call the event that like Dusty Rose hosts gold dust but like the umbrella is gold dust projects right um but it's about awareness raising it's about offering actual product like uh -huh. in the moment so it's kind of like a you know all in one absolutely yeah. um but and I really really want to serve communities that feel a little bit underserved to me like they're not getting all of the attention that like I mean everything happens in New York or LA it's it's really fun talking about the fashion scene in Chicago specifically because that's what I have experience in. But even chatting with other people through the Midwest like Minneapolis. Um, I can't remember what city in Ohio is kind of experiencing a little heyday of young creatives kind of revitalizing stuff. We're like form and function. Right. So it's exploring how we can actually live in this stuff day to day and still express ourselves and have a creative point of view and stuff. Whereas I think sometimes in like the other meccas like New York slash Brooklyn and LA, it becomes like a, like you're doing it to be seen or mm -hmm. like to express something, but it's not as functional as like day in and day out, like the stuff that we wear in Chicago, like it has to work. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like totally. it's not as performance based. It's more like, okay, I literally have to like walk through the loop with gale force winds. Like I need <laughs> right. a coat that yes. protects me. Yeah. But I also want to look fly. Yeah. So um, but that's what. It, but um, I like that. Like, yeah. I think that that's really interesting. Like, I will always like I mean, I have been around vintage my whole entire life I mm -hmm. always am going to get excited about special pieces right. but I also get really excited about like the most amazing staple like so Dusty Rose's like tag by what it, yeah. for since 2008 has been quality vintage staples and showpieces yeah like that has always been the like thing under like in the SEO whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um 
and it always will be uh-huh. like it like some of the people that I admire the most are the people who get the perfectly worn 50 50 tee you know the mm-hmm. one that like you'll get 10 people commenting below like why uh-huh. is that 95 dollars and you're like mm, you're just showing what you don't know not exactly. what she doesn't know because yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is the perfect 95 dollar 50 50 worn in tee mm-hmm. like it yeah. literally is yeah um but it's still like because sometimes you'll see like modern t-shirts that are doing that, that expensive yeah. Yeah. yeah and you're like uh, uh, like yeah. I appreciate that but I am always going to go for vintage over yeah. new no matter what because yeah, it's the history it's the craftsmanship like yeah. even if it is thread worn at that point like you know you still got like 10 15 oh, years left sure. in it and yeah we're so lucky that we live in a time I mean this is like everyone's going to bring up everything about you know there's right. there's something to pick apart about anything Any when you're era. trying to do good right. well no 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 I mean um like oh, with like, someone being like, eh, but like we're mm-hmm. so lucky that we live in a time when people are providing these services for us, and oh, like totally. yes, sometimes yeah. it's expensive, but like w- it's also amazing that that exists. Totally, and it is not accessible to everyone. Like I recognize right. that, but I'm, I feel like with anything, like mm-hmm. we're lucky that we have experts that are doing this for us. Like exactly, it's very yeah. cool. And and one thing that we find in the store is that um, like our store is not to substitute or take like like really good thrift shoppers or vintage shoppers like away from their haunts. Like right. I want you guys to continue yeah, do it. to go there. Like yeah. if you have the time and the patience and the imagination to find those those diamonds in the sea of like forever 21 bullshit that's right. clogging up the racks like please go do that yeah. because no matter how many times actual vintage sorcerers are there stuff goes through the cracks of course and then it just gets thrown away yeah i would always rather that those individuals like you know sometimes they might mention it to me sometimes they might say it as an aside to their friend in the store like you know i could find this at the thrift store and i'm like please do do it yeah like, I <laughs> we don't want that. it yeah exactly look, i'm the one who sees it when it doesn't get sold at the thrift store exactly and yeah yeah no. and like the chances of of you or that person like still having the time to sort through all of that mm-hmm. like please continue to go do that yeah. but i'm doing it for the people that don't have the the time because yeah. that's another thing like you have to spend a couple hours going through all the racks finding those pieces, imagining sometimes what they can look like with modern styling, Yeah, go home, wash it, mend it, mm-hmm. and then do that. And some people just straight up don't have time for that, and well, they appreciate others who You're outsourcing the labor, and I see right. that with everything. Like, I don't have time to make the perfect eco, reusable packaging, whatever, right. deodorant. So I go I outsource that labor you know like I sometimes pour my own candles but in general like the amount of time I have a child like I'm not gonna sit and set up all of the things I'm gonna go time is a currency (laughs) as well yeah so for for people who have that availability like we always strongly encourage that and we are trying to help individuals who don't have that time or don't have the patience, like one of my my really good friends. We've gone to antique malls together, and she gets bored after mm, she just because mm-hmm. she can't see it because there's so much yeah. stuff. It's a specific person, yes. And I, lo- I mean, because I'm that pro- like I just yeah. love when you recognize. I mean, I think if you're like a really great illustrator, a really great when you right. recognize someone doing something like really cool, mm-hmm. like I get so excited when I see someone picking really cool things. Like as a wholesaler, right. I would literally watch people like do their shop and like laying everything out in price points you're like oh here's your this is what your store looks like and a lot of it you're like yep on trend whatever yawn sorry guys but face it yawn and then (laughs) like sometimes you're like whoa this is great yeah like this is like the combinations that they come up with like it's just the same way like Mm -hmm. I have an illustrator friend who will sometimes dm me something and be Mm -hmm. like look at this like this is so cool like and this is why I love it and I like love that she can identify like this is a voice like this is a solid unique like a real point of view yeah that's standing out from the masses yeah I mean I love that about personal style I always will when I see someone like kind of rocking something I'm like yeah and a lot of times that is because they can do it straight up at a thrift store like Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm like yeah that's awesome yeah 
more power to them. Hell yeah. 100%. So growing up, we've kind of talked about like our different journeys through the sustainable world. When I was growing up, we only shopped at secondhand stores. I hated it. All I wanted was the the stupid name brand stuff, the Esprit, the Gap, the Nike. Went so far as to make my own Nike stencil <laughs> and created a shirt. Um, whereas your journey was a little bit different. Like you started with secondhand and thrifting, but it was like it always kind of remained like cool with you. Well, I, that was a choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, so we were super, super poor. We grew up super poor in a very like rich and ostentatious neighborhood children of divorce things get weird when the house was bought when you're still married like weird stuff you know and so we were always going to thrift stores and I I your Nike story is amazing and I never went that far but I did (laughs) do my best to like approximate like Benetton or gas or whatever and in a with a thrift store and I mean you really some of those fashions were actually they were new like it's gotten to the point where nothing is new under the sun but in the 80s you definitely weren't finding that kind of thing in a thrift store because it was something new yeah like those silhouettes just were right fresh yep and I it was really I got really lucky like my sister was older and she went to this like weird camp for like the bad kids there are air quotes here um (laughs) and met like a punk rock girl with a hot pink mohawk and I it just dawned on me that I could just rebel like instead of trying so hard to like make it work I could be like I don't know who listens to this podcast but like fuck you guys (laughs) like (laughs) I'm not I am doing it this is I'm right very emphatically trying not to look like you and it just changed everything I was 11 years old I was in sixth grade and it like changed I think that's how old you are I was in sixth grade however old you are when you're in sixth grade because I remember my teacher I remember everything about it right um and that and it was like an awakening yeah it just Mm -hmm. opened every door for me so I was just like an angry punk kid for you know I mean I still kind of am an angry punk (laughs) kid (laughs) like um it just changed everything once I knew that I didn't have to play by the rules and like I could sort of like aggressively be like I am not doing this your way it just it's it's informed every decision in my life like I've just never had like I never wanted to run Dusty Rose like when people wanted to invest I was just like no I don't want someone deciding yeah Yeah. how this business is run um for good or bad um you know but it yeah it just that that is still how I run my business it's a hundred percent what I want it to be um and I make all my choices and like sometimes they don't look anything like what they're supposed to look like right I mean, that's also the joys of running a small business yeah. is that you ultimately have a vision and a, a viewpoint that you want to stay within. But sometimes shit happens and you sure. just have to roll with the punches yeah. and then try to steer the ship back in the direction that you need it to go. Yeah. But it ultimately still having that control over it is so empowering yeah because you have a, a clear message that yeah you're i mean sending. it sucks it's scary yeah. it's exhausting. So exhausting but i mean <laughs> i don't think that anyone could ever look at dusty rose and be like yep yeah, that this was her template like moody florals whatever it is right. like you know like she stayed in that lane right. like it dusty rose has always been a like I don't know. We're going to do some of this and some of this and like, let's just keep whatever. I think you appeal to a lot of customers in that way because it's not like you're, you didn't ever pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. Which can be both a good thing and a bad thing. It's a great thing. Because if you can like really narrow in on that niche market, like we were talking about. You get um, your loyal customer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They know what to, they know to go there yeah like um we love sasha and ross who own coco rococo mm-hmm. in chicago um and they have such an amazing clear view and aesthetic for their shop yeah. and occasionally we'll have folks that come in to our neighborhood in pilsen and and they mention that they're looking for it and it's so great to be able to be like oh go to them it's right they there. literally i yeah. just saw it on their instagram or something like yeah. that I, as a shopper, right. we need people telling those really, really specific right. stories. Like, I'm so grateful to it. Yeah. And, I, like, not having it can be a huge hindrance for Dusty Rose. 
but it's just not like I just am kind of not capable. Like yeah. I mean, of course I'm capable. I know like I, if I wanted to pick a story to tell, I could right. tell it. But like it's just not in my DNA right. to, to do that. But I think it's also you may not have been as adaptable as a company through the different iterations, especially we like being the warehouse. Like if you guys had really narrowed into mm-hmm. a niche market, yeah, no. you wouldn't have appealed to as many customers as you do. And I also look at it as like you were like an introduction for so many people that they could like realize how how easily their style can be translated into vintage totally. because fashion is always it's always been cyclical but Mm -hmm. especially nowadays with social media and the internet Mm -hmm. stuff happens so quickly so regardless of what your um you know visual aesthetic is it's going to be found in vintage at this point yeah and so being that um gateway for people where they can come in and maybe they don't have a ton of experience either thrifting or in curated vintage stores and so they can come in and find their style with you yeah I mean like and that's the thing that I do miss yeah I mean I don't have time it's like so new I don't like miss it yet yeah but like something that I loved when I first was like there's no way I'm opening this space to the public people won't understand it they'll tear it apart whatever I was like no 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 (laughs) and then like literally the first customer that came in she actually was like a Greenpoint store owner and she came in with this guy and that everything that they bought was great their conversations around what they were buying and Mm -hmm. why was amazing to hear because I had just been working with designer people with super narrow focuses like designers or stores who like all wanted the same thing and Mm -hmm. were mad they're like don't you have any more coach back you know whatever and you're like Uh um that's not how vintage works oh let me get my fairies on that just to (laughs) magically my time machine yeah steal it from the 80s so and that got really boring and opening it up to the public and having people like literally engage walks yeah sartorial life come in there it was awesome like i i I will miss that when I have time to miss it. Right. Um, but I hope that we can have another, a different iteration of that yeah. in a different way, you know, because it was cool. And I'm so grateful. Any of you who are listening, if you <laughs> went into the warehouse and talked about weird clothes that you were going to buy, thank you. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like it was, it was so cool to get to be a part of their experience oh, in yeah. such such a unique way because it's personal like when it's someone's working on a film or like you know there's parameters like when people are just like whoa everything in here is like picked vintage what am I gonna like it's no story is told for me here this is a bin that says long sleeve women's tops like (laughs) I gotta tell my story yeah 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 yeah. it's a really great way to kind of like explore maybe something that they were thinking about yeah at a really like accessible price point totally. and experience yeah and so stuff that you like can that. take any kind of risk because like yeah. whatever it's eight bucks exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's it's already there and organized so mm-hmm. it's not as much of a time right commitment it's not the same as like a thrift store like you know exactly. that you're gonna find yep. like actual quality pieces that exactly. have like literally yeah. like 17 hands have like touched this to get this into this bin <laughs> like, exactly yeah. yeah dude would you say that that experience was thrifting? Oh, God, this question, <laughs> I know. It's such an interesting, because I You're think... You're going to age me. <laughs> I feel like older people are like, excuse me, buying vintage is not thrifting. Yes. Like, thrifting is going to a thrift store and finding a Finding thing. the diamond yeah, in yeah, yeah. the haystack. So I feel like that ages me. I feel like I don't know that it's like cool of me to like define anything for anyone else. Like right. people definitely considered going to Dusty Rose thrifting. thrifting. And I had to just be like, if that's what that means to you, then yeah. that's what that means to you. It is not what it means to me. Right. Um, also, the term vintage, like to I think to a younger generation just means used. Um, yeah. Yeah. To me, vintage has, like, a definition. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, vintage is... I feel like the... (laughs) The older that I get, 
the less willing I am to have the 20 year mark be vintage. Yeah. Because I can't then handle stuff. Then it's like Y2K. Yeah. Exactly. Like, wait, no, like, that just wait, no, literally no, no, no. cannot. So it's anything before 2000s is vintage. But as I, because I got started in vintage before vintage was vintage, uh-huh. I was working with like older people who couldn't handle the 80s being vintage. Exactly. They oh, were yeah. just like, excuse me, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, exactly. So I feel like, oh shit, I've become Yeah, like those in older 2000, people. they were like, like no 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 exactly. like this is not vintage and you're yeah. like listen old lady <laughs> and, <I'm laughs> and like, now I'm the old lady <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's you know well, it's so it funny because when people like to me I would not consider what you guys did as thrifting right because it was still even though the price points were lower than if you went to another Greenpoint vintage store and sourced it from them it's still curated. Yeah, it's all handpicked. It's exactly. all vintage. Yeah. And so I get kind of uppity when folks call the studio a thrift yeah. store, which that's I think very curated. Right. And it's also like we have like it's a mix of vintage and new. Modern, like we right. have my jewelry, a couple of the jewelry lines, we have ceramics, we have plants. But I think it's also and this is what I kind of struggle with myself is that I love thrifting and I support it and I encourage it with other people. But then when somebody calls the studio a thrift store, I'm acting like it's a four letter word. Right, right, right. Where it's like, if I'm so encouraging of this, why am I treating it as a derogatory term? And I think it's because the people who maybe don't have as much experience, like they're negating the work that goes into it being presented at the shop. Right. And so it's, it's less of me being like, ugh. We're not a thrift store. Yeah. Like, I'm not slamming thrift stores. I think it's just that we want the work to be acknowledged because it also explains the price point, right? I think, I mean, language is such a weird thing because it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't, like, what does that really mean to this? But, like, what are you really trying to say? And that most of the times they're not saying in a derogatory way. It's just that they equate vintage shops with thrifting. I think that it's possible that, like, the big box stores are so narrow in their Mm. scope that even when you go into a place where you're like there's monsteras and perfect denim like right to me i'd be like this is a hyper curated store right someone who is used to going into like h&m or the mall they're like right i have to figure out what i like in here (laughs) you know that's very true yeah like like we don't have multiple sizes mm -hmm. it's there's definitely an aesthetic in our shop but yeah, you still have to kind of it's pick and choose. It's not the same choose. as like a box yeah, store. that's very true. It. So in terms of um, trying to lead like a more sustainable or like conscious life, what would you say is like the biggest impediment for people who maybe aren't already pursuing that? Mm-hmm. If they're like trying to navigate this world or even just dip a toe in what do you think could be like the biggest roadblock or like I don't know um, if there's like a the biggest and I think that I mean this is all opinion um but like I think it depends on the person but I think that like structurally some of I don't know that I could say the biggest I think that a big problem is this is an uncharted territory. Like, we don't have government oversight. We certainly don't have government participation. Um, Everything is sort of falling on either the consumer or the companies. Um, But, like, we're in sort of a free fall. Like, we know that people care. Like, if you look at all of the big brands, like, and people working on, like, getting sustainability into their SEO, all this stuff. Like, we know there's... And the interest. push for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The consumeristic push yeah. for things that are less damaging to yeah. our environment. And I have very complicated feelings about this for mm-hmm. so many reasons because there are people coming at it from every angle, every level of privilege, every level totally. of awareness. Like every, this is a huge, multifaceted. Topic. Yeah. Um. But like for me, what I really would like to see more of to like move this conversation forward is people with like a little bit of a platform and the privilege of time finances whatever it is like working to get our government and the corporations more on board like we need to be we need a big shift like right I, i mean i have like deep 
deep thoughts about this. Like, why isn't there like government? I mean, there are reasons, right. there are answers that are, you know, very complicated and right. all about economics. But like, why couldn't we have like refill stations like everywhere? You know, there's so many things that like the government could do if our government wasn't so clunky and moving at a snail's and pace. Borderline because, corrupt on things. Well, because yeah. There's different contracts and stuff and like that. I mean, so it's, it's not co- really in so many of their best interests, yeah. unfortunately. There's a ton of mm-hmm. reasons. And like yep. that's what I find the most frustrating. And I do think that hopefully in, you know, the modern time, like we've, mm-hmm. I've seen the cycle of like people caring about green things and like it definitely, I watched it slip away. I got really excited, uh-huh. watched it disappear. Like, but there wasn't right. social media. Um, right. This there is wasn't my this first, galvanized movement yeah, this and is my accessibility first time, to information. Yeah. First right. time to see it this way um so i do think that i think it's going to take time the american government is super clunky and we spend a lot of time fighting within the parties and not really achieving anything um but i'm also not an expert i just happen to like live with somebody who spends a lot of time thinking very deeply about the way governments run right um so it's i think that some participation and some some work in that way like i mean with gold dust projects it's outreach but like my deep hope is that with some time and you know excitement that there will be more like how do we take this like a lot further um yeah but i do think that like consumers at all levels can make choices i mean the really really obvious stuff like all the hashtags love clothes last make doing men like Absolutely, really yeah. um and i've i've lived and breathed this my whole life like right. i'm so grateful to people who are saying things that to me seem like just automatic um like don't wash your clothes so much you know like, right. and then that probably a little bit comes from working in like a clothing landfill essentially exactly, for yeah. a very long time like you were face first yeah in it. this is there what was happens no, with there was like, no opportunity for you to ignore, ignore it yeah <laughs> or act like you didn't have as much yeah. of a part in it, it was literally every, right. all day every day five right. days a week exactly. for a very long time right um so i'm really really happy that like all the stuff that i don't think to say because it just is automatic it's like people you. are yeah. saying it so like i can get a little eye rolly about some of the hashtags but i'm also like these matter like these yeah. like people aren't thinking like oh maybe i shouldn't be washing my jeans yeah. everywhere or even every 10 wears like exactly yeah this totally matters or like when i donate something and I don't I mean this is you know like when you donate something and you don't fix the button that you have like that makes the difference yeah that makes the difference between like landfill and like resell like it it's a big absolutely these yeah people need to be told these things and these are things that like most people can do but like a lot of that is like I said before, like it's changing our mentality about it. Like America is a very sterile place and we don't like, we think about like things differently. And I would love to see some shifts in people's like opinion, like their mindsets. And some of that's going to come from like seeing your favorite character on TV, say that they didn't, whatever it is, you know, or your influencer. Like it's, Yep. Like that's how it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. things just happen differently now. And right. I do think that there Smaller is. Smaller people have such a greater voice versus yeah. for so long and in advertising and stuff like that. They, we were only getting it from these major huge brands. Yeah. And that's like to take it back to the blogging. That's why I got so excited at the sure. beginning because it felt very democratized because all of a sudden it was like we weren't being told by these glossy magazines how to dress. We yep. were seeing it from like. One of my favorite ever was Christina of Second Skin Style. Yeah, she, yeah, had, yeah. she approached vintage in such like a really fucking cool, boho, whimsical way. Yeah. And I was instantly enamored and so inspired by her because she did combinations that you didn't really see. And it felt like she gave you the freedom to try those things yourself or just try something totally different. Yeah. I mean, that like blew the doors off for me. Like when I was working with like high end customers who wanted really specific, hard to find rare pieces. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly there were these girls just being like, check this. Like, remember Mama Stone? Noir has some shouts Mm -hmm. out, you know, like just like seeing people be like, here's how I wear vintage. Yeah. And like just to see 
people like it had that everyday feel totally. was like so exciting it to me it was such a game changer yeah and I like from that moment I still continued to like wholesale to my high-end clients and right. designers and whatever but like where like it's like my heart left and just followed it was yeah. over there and my body was like wrote <laughs> like doing uh-huh. the job you know 100%. but I was just yeah. like I am following this this is yeah. way better yeah. and of course everything gets co-opted and blogging is I not know. what it was there's, you know there's one um person Beth Jones B Jones style oh yeah she is one of those people who has never forsaken her thrift roots Mm -hmm. and like she has a series on her youtube channel like come thrift with us and is like constantly embracing it and she you know is is a big name blogger and so she's got a ton of influence and i'm I have the utmost respect for her that she has remained true to that and is right. still supporting it, like partners with Goodwill, partners with Savers, right, things right, like right. that. Yeah. And it, because I think for some other people who maybe started in that realm and then have transitioned out of it, I don't, I'm, I'm not disappointed in them. I don't, I can't, I can't sure. label that. You gotta that do whatever. what you gotta yeah. do. Yeah. Um, but I just, I have like a ton of respect for people like Beth who, yeah. who've remained true to that and are still encouraging it even as they grow in followers and influence and stuff like that. So it's like, it's literally using their power for yeah. good. Yeah. Which, you know, I absolutely love. On the flip side, do you think that there's any disadvantages or downsides to being a more conscious consumer? I mean, it's a pet, like, you could answer that in a lot of different ways. The first thing that comes to my mind um, is the shame spiral uh, mm. and like sort of that like Once I you realize how bad your current yeah, shopping habits are. <laughs> yeah. And I have like been guilty of that. I'm like a little bit older and wiser now, so it's a little right. bit different. But like. I do get like bothered by things like there's certain things where I'm like oh like I need to like get this salad because of convenience or what you know and like a lot of people will just be like whatever it's a salad I'm throwing away my like it's fine and I can't like I struggle with like not the knowledge yeah like not Uh having it like eat me up inside which is useless like that kind of stuff doesn't help anyone yeah Um, so then it's like you kind of berate yourself and then I think you I maybe not so much for you but for people who are maybe like just starting it is that that shame spiral can feel very real yeah Um, well and it can hinder people from like wanting to be involved it's like oh it was way more fun with my head over here in the sand exactly like I kind of equate it to um if you were like only eating from the dollar menu and one day you're like fuck it, I'm going on a juice cleanse. Like, you're going to have a really bad time of it. (laughs) And more often than not, you're going to teeter-totter so much harder Mm -hmm. back to that dollar menu and deeper. Whereas if you try to make, like, small, consistent changes, I think it's so much more sustainable, literally, to lead a more sustainable life. And that's what we need as a, a, like, Exactly. We don't need every single person to dramatically, immediately shift. I mean, that would be awesome. It would be awesome. (laughs) But but it's just not sustainable. It's not going to happen. Because I think people ultimately, they might feel good about that decision for a minute, but then it's... It is changing their entire life for a yeah. lot of individuals. Yeah. And so it's um, it's more expensive sometimes right off the bat to like eat organic, to buy handmade or consciously made in the U.S. Like all those things are an initial investment that are higher. Like you recoup that very quickly because you don't have to replace your clothing all the time or things mm-hmm. like that. But it can you like get on that that high horse real quick and then you realize like, wow, this is a much bumpier ride than I was anticipating. And then you get off and you're like, screw it. I'm going hard the other way. Yeah. Well, and if you make your choices public, you open yourself up to social justice warrior. Exactly. There's like a lot. You're never doing enough kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, for a lot of people, it's that it feels like so much work to make these drastic changes. Yeah. Whereas if you look at it like, um, I mean, you're a vegan. I'm a vegetarian for I'm many a vegetarian. Years. I'm not a vegan. Not I a, was a vegan for were, a very right, long yeah. time. But yeah. um, but like, <laughs> I'm like so. already like, please don't send the like vegans. <laughs> I'm on. not a vegan. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. Me. Um, but I think for for so many people who um aren't vegetarians, like even just substituting two meals mm-hmm. to be green, like that makes a huge difference in um your overall health, but also yeah. just in the consumption, like 
you know, this is a whole nother side tangent, but factory farming is so detrimental to our world and things like that. But I think, yeah, it can be tricky to start sometimes for people because maybe they also don't know where to start. Yeah. And that's like, uh, so when we sat down and sort of like concepted out Gold Dust Projects, like I, if Gold Dust Projects had its own office, we would probably paint it like life size on the walls, like um, perfect is the enemy of good. It's a ah. Voltaire quote that has like lived in my head since like my first, like when I was young and yeah. I was a social justice warrior. Uh-huh. Like, and couldn't, you know, I mean, I wouldn't even, I, back when people used cameras, like I wouldn't yeah. develop film. Like I was crazy. And I'm so grateful that I'm not anymore, but like I really, really want like everything, all the work that I do with things like Gold Dust Project to like, and everyone that we choose to work with, like I won't name any names or anything, but like there like are some people that are influential sort of in the fast fashion sphere where I'm like, is this going to isolate people? Is this going to like, or sorry, alienate people right. like, and make it feel like that. Like, like right. there is a barrier for entry and, yeah. and a, like a shame you must be barrier. This sustainable to yeah. ride. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I love that, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I just really, really don't want that. And it's not like I'm trying to, like, let anyone off the hook, but I just, like... I just right. don't think anyone, I mean, it's like as simple as the old adage, like you get more bees with honey or flies than with vinegar. Honey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, let's not make people feel bad. Like, yeah. let's help them do yeah. better, like in a way that yeah. is like, feels good. Do you think there's ways to hold brands accountable in a way that doesn't alienate or condemn them? Well, I think that this is a, this is a, I have very complicated feelings about everything. Um, My name is Marissa. I know. And I, I'm, I'm complicated. Yeah, I'm complicated. <laughs> I, because what does brand mean? Like, there's big brands and there's little mm-hmm. brands. Um, I, like, could talk for 17 podcasts about what people do to little brands and right. the way that they hold them accountable, especially if you do open your doors to being, like, to trying a little harder. Then yep. suddenly everyone wants your intersectionality to reach every single platform right. when you don't understand the cost, the decision, all of the decisions. Right. But when it comes to, like, a company that's making hundreds and thousands of yeah. pieces of one skew, then... Yep. I do think yes, we yeah. need to be holding brands right. accountable. Not that they there's zero be. excuse, but right. there's I don't know of any right. excuses. I I will exactly. accept, yeah. accept that I have not ever run a massive like right. box company, but right. like I there like there's you have the right. financial tools to figure it out. I mean, and we are getting there like I because this is my world like I have a lot of friends who are being like hired as um the sustainability kind of I mean literally yeah yeah and like working on supply chain and working like they are there are people trying to help make changes it's going to be a minute before we see the like real institution of this yeah but it's happening um but I do think that when it comes to like smaller brands who are really really trying um Mm -hmm. to try and be aware of what you're not aware of because you can't be aware of everything that's too hard I mean that's why you leave that to the like person who's doing it but like maybe understand that you don't understand like if I could like speak to every person who wants to like send an angry dm about whatever to a small brand right I would just like to plant the seed of like maybe before you send it, like mm-hmm. imagine that maybe you don't know like yeah. what went into like all of the decisions that right. were made. And I think that there's, I hesitate to say that it should always come in an encouraging voice because I d- definitely think there's times where there are companies that have stronger backing or are larger than the little guys and are coasting on the sustainable Mm -hmm. tag without doing the work oh yeah and so I think that those brands I think it's beneficial for people to kind of call them out in a sense not necessarily call them out but like hold them accountable so it's like as you grow if this is your lane that you're in and you're claiming these accolades or um, qualifications you got to show it. And if you're not like, you don't really get to be in this realm yeah. as much. Well, this is where like the government mm, needs to yep. be a little bit more involved. Cause there's no yeah. oversight. Like people can use words that don't have like 
standardized definitions. Yeah, I mean, it's barely happening just with the FDA in terms of food and cosmetics. Like, people can say it's all natural and it's 1%. Yeah, the word natural is a really tricky word. Like, everything on this this planet This one ingredient, way back in its life cycle, was natural. Yeah, So we get to call it that. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, like... (laughs) It's a, it's all very complicated. Exactly. Imagine that. Oh, um, it's almost like this entire topic is very <laughs> multifaceted. Yeah. So, kind of going back to vintage specifically. So, you had said before that you had kind of seen a spike in the attraction of vintage shopping and things like that, mm-hmm. and then saw it diminish a little bit, and then definitely with the advent of social media and what that's come to mean, do you see vintage? going back down you know I like have been talking about this even just with clients for like the past 15 years like what because vintage vintage became such a trend like what right. happens pendulums always swing like exactly. what's that yes. gonna be um I literally have the pendulum written it, in my notes there you go <laughs> yeah like it's I mean you see those shifts so yep. like it's like the trend it will shift, but like what vintage means. I mean, you and I, we just talked yes. about the fact that what does vintage even mean anymore? So it, it could be that it's changing by decade and that obviously influences the style and who's wearing it and yeah. stuff like that as well. It's so hard to know because like I like kind of came of age in the 90s, which was a sort of political time. Mm. It was like grunge and thrifting. And yeah. Like, but I also, you know, I lived in my bubble, so there's that too. I right. like was a women's studies major in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> like, let's you were face Portlandia it. character. Yes, I literally <laughs> was a several <laughs> Portlandia <Yeah>. characters. <laughs> that um, was. Thank God that they laugh at that because it just right. like gives me like mm-hmm. it, uh, thank God, thank mm-hmm. you guys. But I don't know. You know, I definitely like once like the 2000s hit. None of that. I mean, that just like evaporated. Like it was. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think any of us really, really know what is going to happen. But I do think that like things like social media make everything a little bit more sticky, like where traction is like and and you can't like hide. And there's like a record of things, whereas everything sort of evaporate. Like I did a zine and like. Where does that even, it was made of paper, like, you know, like it's, there's no record of it. I think it'll be interesting when, and like, unless there's like some fight club situation, there's like (laughs) digital records of like what we are doing. Um, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I wish I had an answer to that, but like, I don't see it disappearing or evaporating the way that it did the first time. My first time, obviously I'm, you know, people in the six, you know, Totally. Everyone yeah, has yeah, seen yeah. these cyclical like exactly movements that right. then just dissolve into like, I yeah. guess everything's better now. <laughs> so. That's true. I mean, I think the biggest change in those situations is social media and the accessibility of news and awareness on stuff. And I think I'm only speaking, obviously, from my own experience because I was I was way deep in the Forever 21 bosom for (laughs) a few years in college. And then it wasn't until after college where I was like, oh, I I have no money to uh, furnish my apartment. I'm going to go to a thrift store. And then I was looking through the racks and I was like, this is awesome vintage coat. And I was like, just so quickly, back to Suzy 2.0, my mom. I became my mom. Um, But I think people are only hopefully becoming more galvanized in terms of their consumeristic footprint and stuff like that yeah. and I think that there's vintage is also way more accessible right than it was back in the day because I mean you go on Etsy there's tens of thousands of mm-hmm. vintage dealers you can on get there. exactly what you want in exactly. your size in yeah. the color which yeah. is incredibly awesome. empowering yeah. and encouraging for people it's not quite the same as being able to shop it in person but depending on where you live, I guarantee that there's going to be a vintage or a thrift store sure. or something like that. And so it's, I'm hopeful yeah, that it too. sticks around because I, I just love, I love everything to do with vintage. It has that amazing history behind it. Whether you know the story or not, you can also like create the own story. Yeah. Depending on the item, like if it's this beautiful 70s bohemian dress you can just imagine what the person before exactly wore that and then the best part is it's made well enough that you get to add your own story Mm -hmm. onto it as well 
it's such a such an amazing journey I love it I will always love it it's in my blood it's in my DNA I am you can never leave never (laughs) I am am in it yeah (laughs) yeah um so as a little takeaway what do you think are three terms that you want people to associate with you and your companies I know it's kind of tricky because there's like Mm. different ones but like as a whole what would you say are like three defining descriptions that you would want people to either think of like Dusty Rose? I mean, you are all these companies, so I yeah, guess kind I of like you as a company. I don't know that I could give you three because that I don't know if my brain can like. I'll we'll, I'll start talking okay. and we'll see. Yeah, and then I'm just gonna cut it off <laughs> yeah. when you get to three. <laughs> I'm done. Okay, and thank you, Marissa. Um, Goodbye. <laughs> the first thing that I guess that I would think of is like sort of two words, which is like trust and authenticity. And I mm. think that people who have been following along for a while kind of know that like that Dusty this isn't Rose, a shtick for you. Yeah, 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 yep. exactly. Like we are trying to like truly and authentically engage with brands, artists, like people that we like respect what they're doing, whatever. But like as, you know, a mom who's getting older and wants a salary and yeah. the ink income, whatever, like there are things like you see people making choices um for financial reasons or whatever and getting like attacked like and because I've been approached I mean I've been approached in so many different ways about so many different things like what I would hope is that like for anyone that if they can like have that like trust in like that they're doing their best and like really trying to like make decisions on like what they think is going to be the best for everything that they're considering um that's what I would like for Dusty Rose to like have and maintain like know that like if we did a thing if we did an event at this space or whatever we did think deeply about it right and made the best decision like I forget which was possible yeah and like the greater good for the most amount of people totally yeah because I think that people do get I mean as a former social justice warrior like I know that you can like get into your little scope and your Mm -hmm. zone and you like you want like you're excited that you're like new to critical thinking and you want to pick things apart and whatever I would hope that like for the people at least who have been along for the ride but also people who are new to it and Mm -hmm. just can recognize it that like we're doing our best um, to be authentic and the best for the most yeah the the greater good for as many as possible because you cannot you cannot you can't hit every you can't check box no No. but I think as long as you're aware of your limitations and are willing to grow and evolve I think that that's all we can ask yeah of of ourselves of brands of each other yeah as long as you're willing to do the work to continue to grow and evolve I think that we're on a very good path yeah so that's like what I would want people and to night see boob. or think and night boob yeah thank you <laughs> obviously night, night boob. boob yes yes like you know body positivity planet positivity uh-huh. like nipples. all of it yeah nipples yeah. boobs boobs are magic <laughs> Thank you so, so much for being on this. I will have the links for all the myriad of things that Marissa (laughs) tackles on a daily basis. And we would love to have you bring Gold Dust to Chicago as well. It's coming, Chicago. Get ready. Wait. Yay. (laughs) All right. I love you. Love you.